Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome in, everyone. This is another edition of Inside Boxing Live. I am your host, Dan Canobio, and business is really picking up in the world of boxing, and we have a jam-packed show for you today. Joining us on the program, he is Ring TV senior writer Ryan Sangalia. I caught up with him at the Barclay Center after Keith Thurman's uh, win over Josecito Lopez. He joins us as well as the legendary trainer, Mr. Joe Goosen. You can catch him on Fox, and he's uh, training Sergey Lipinets coming up uh, for his fight uh, with Lamont Peterson. We're going to talk to both guys, get their thoughts on uh, Keith Thurman's performance as well as some of the big news uh, that's going on in the world of boxing. There's a lot of big news we're going to get to all of it. There's a lot of things going on in the heavyweight division. The welterweight division is also heating up. So basically, the two most important divisions in boxing, the welterweight division and the heavyweight division, are very, very healthy right now. And there's a lot of news uh, in each uh, weight class. But let's start with the PBC on Fox card. I was there in Brooklyn uh, this past Saturday night when Keith Thurman retained his WBA uh, title with a very hard-fought win over Josecito Lopez, a fight that was a lot closer uh, than people anticipated, but not Keith Thurman. I found out uh, in a fighter meeting, he predicted that the fight was going to be very close. He predicted that he was going to face a lot of criticism after the fight because he didn't feel like he was all the way back yet from all his injuries. One thing about Keith Thurman that we've learned, we've had him on the show last week, we've had him on the show before, is he's a realist. He'll tell you exactly what's on his mind. He knew that he was going to look a little rusty in there. But the first couple of rounds, he did not look rusty. I was really impressed with, first of all, how he came in, in shape. He's always going to be in shape. His athleticism over those first two rounds and uh, you know, just a willingness to trade early on. Let those hands fly, that right hand, which was surgically repaired. He even dropped Josecito Lopez in the second round. And I'm thinking ringside, wow, this is going to be easy work for Thurman. He's going to have a knockout and he's going to you know, call out the big, the big dogs at 147. But something changed after that second round where I don't know whether it was the hand was bothering him or maybe he just lost some, some steam on his fastball, but he wasn't hurting Lopez anymore. He wasn't hurting him with those, with those right hands. He wasn't hurting him with those counter lefts. And Lopez, you can see, was gaining more and more confidence. He was willing to eat three punches before landing one. He was taking Keith Thurman's best shots and he was still coming forward because that's the thing about Riverside Rocky. He'll always come forward and he started to hurt Thurman and we all saw what happened in that seventh round. I mean, that seventh round was insane. Josecito Lopez had Thurman on the ropes literally and figuratively in that fight. He heard him numerous times. You can hear Joe Goosen, who will join us uh, in just a little bit on the call for Fox, saying that, you know, this is a few punches away from being stopped. So Josecito Lopez was that close from stopping Keith Thurman in a huge upset. But, you know, all in all, Thurman got the win. He actually fought off Lopez in that last round and was able to, uh, in that seventh round, was able to kind of weather the storm. He gritted his teeth down and he landed some good combinations. Overall, I thought it was a great performance from Thurman. I don't understand some of the criticism that's coming his way. Uh, people saying that he didn't look great. Of course, he hasn't fought in 22 months and he fought a very determined Josecito Lopez, 
who was with Robert Garcia, who spent a lot of time at Mikey Garcia. He came in determined. And one thing about Jose Cito Lopez now is he's going to get a ton of uh, of dates now. He made his stock has has risen as the B side uh, in that fight. Some other things from from that is afterwards, Keith Thurman he went in the ring and, and Manny Pacquiao's name came up immediately. Uh, it's pretty clear that PBC and Fox uh, they want that fight to happen. Uh, if that's if Pacquiao does not take on Mayweather, uh, should that fight fall through, which I would give that maybe like a forty percent chance of happening, if that fight falls through, then uh, I think Thurman Pacquiao on pay per view is a home run, and that's something I've been calling for, and I think uh, would be great. But I do think that the, the welterweight division, uh, you know, the, the Sean Porters of the world, the Errol Spences of the world, Terrence Crawford, all licking their chops right now, if that's the version of Keith Thurman that's going to move forward, because I think that he loses to all those guys that I just listed, if that is the version that we see of Keith Thurman moving forward. If he doesn't improve, which I think he will, uh, uh, Thurman uh, could be ripe. Uh, for the taking. Also on that uh, PBC on Fox card, great card. Uh, you had Adam Konaki, the fighting pride of Greenpoint, Brooklyn, the fighting pride of Long Island. He had an outstanding performance, just absolutely demolished uh, Gerald Washington, took him out in two rounds, knocked him down in the first, threw 112 punches in the first round. That's an insane number of punches thrown uh, for a heavyweight, but he moves on. He he will now, uh, I think he'll, he'll step up, he'll keep progressing uh, in his career, maybe not take on Wilder, who was in attendance. You know, that's maybe jumping ahead a little too far. Maybe someone like a, a Dillian White or a Dominic Brazil would be perfect uh, for Adam Konaki, who was on the fast track uh, to a, a, a world title. After the fight was all over, I was in the backstage area and I was able to pick up a huge tip. This is an exclusive Inside Boxing Live scoop on the Mayweather Pacquiao and whether it's going to happen. How about May Pac 2? May pack too. Yeah, that's happening now. You know when the money is finished. <laughs> you know when they finish the money. You just gotta negotiate. You gotta give them negotiations. There it is. There you have it. Right from the mouth of Curtis Fifty Cent. Uh, that fight is gonna happen because he is a very trusted source in this, and uh, we'll be seeing it. Because the heat, like he said, the money uh, is running out. But over, over on the zone side of things, that was another fight on Saturday night. Uh, and that featured some wars, man. Some real slugfest on the good old DAZONE app. We'll start with Can versus Rojas, a fight that featured over 2,500 uh, punches thrown, 602 combined power shots, which is a featherweight uh, record, or it's number two all time in our record books uh, for featherweights. Uh, that fight was an absolute war. Probably the fight of the night on either side, on the Fox card or the DAZONE card, was that Con Rojas fight. Outstanding stuff out of them. And then in the main event, that just got things warmed up for the main event, which saw Jaime Munguia do what Jaime Munguia does. That's throw a ton of punches for our entertainment in an absolute war. Zero defense uh, from Jaime Munguia. But you got to give credit to Takashi Nune. He put on a great performance. He actually uh, you know, made it a, a fight over the final four rounds, kind of brought the action to Munguia. I don't think Munguia was really expecting that. Uh, one thing from Munguia that I did not like was the fact that he hasn't shown any improvement of, of, on his defense whatsoever. He's going to eat a ton of punches. Every fight he's in is going to be a war. Uh, this one didn't necessarily have to be a war. I don't think a lot of people were giving uh, Inune a, a, a shot. But Munguia makes every fight a war. He's gonna—he's not going to do anything defensively in there that's going to make you say, wow, like this guy's going to, you know, he can move in there. He's slick. He's going to keep on eating punches. And will he stay at 154 is, is the big question that comes out of this one. It doesn't really make much sense 
for Munguia to stay at 154. You know, there's a ton, as we know, with the zone. They're loaded at 160. Just think about Jaime Munguia moves up, you know, six pounds, and he goes up to 160. You know, Andrade is there. Uh, Canelo's there. Danny Jacobs is there. Just go down the list of 160-pounders that they have on their roster, which would be insane. Munguia versus Canelo in a year or two, an all-Mexican war on, on maybe, you know, September 16th or, or, or May 4th weekend in, in Vegas. That would be massive, massive, massive stuff. So all in all, this past weekend, great fights. Keep the ball moving here. Keep The schedule's really starting to heat up. We're going to talk about a lot of the schedule uh, in, our, in our case you missed it because there were some crazy things happening in the world of boxing, especially in, in New York City. But looking ahead, this weekend, ESPN has a huge show on Saturday night, Super Bowl Eve over in Frisco, Texas at the Dallas Cowboys training facility. Huge card. We're going to see Teofimo Lopez is back in action. The Teofimo Express is chugging along. Uh, he has a nice step-up fight with Diego uh, Magalano. Oscar Valdez back in business. Uh, Oscar Valdez, I feel like that fight, uh, Oscar Valdez as a whole, kind of uh, going under the radar a little bit. You know, Oscar Valdez is, is the WBO featherweight champ. He's one of the best young champions in all of boxing, under 25 years old. Haven't seen him in, in over a year because of the, the jaw injury he had in that war he had on ESPN last year. So that's a great little uh, um, great little undercard going until the main event. Let me see Sergey Kovalov and uh, Elider Alvarez run it back uh, from their first fight, which ended in a stunning knockout of Kovalov. So we'll see what Kovalov has left, and we'll see if he can continue his career. He has a lot of stuff swimming around with him uh, uh, with uh, legal issues. And uh, there were some nasty, nasty allegations against him that he is vehemently denying. So we'll see how that goes. But big card, big card. And the thing with this to keep an eye on, I know it's going to be a little tricky for the viewers out there, is I know that the Tiafimo fight and the Oscar Valdez fight, I believe, are going to be on ESPN linear, regular ESPN. And then the main event between Alvarez and Kovalov is going to be on ESPN+. Plus. So it's pretty clear that ESPN wants to you to have to download the app or buy the app if you don't have it, bring more eyeballs to the app, which makes sense. If you look at what the UFC did, with ESPN and their first inaugural card, I think it was two weeks ago, uh, they did the same thing. They kind of jumbled it back and forth. They started off fights on, on, on Plus. They moved over to regular ESPN. They went back to Plus. So it's pretty clear that ESPN wants to do this. And uh, you know how it is for boxing fans. We just kind of go along with it. We want to get our fights in. We want to watch our fights. That's how uh, you can take that one in. It's going to be on Plus and ESPN. So as you can see, lot going on in the world of boxing. We got Joe Goosen. We got Ryan Sangalia. We have an In Case You Missed It that features news on Pacquiao and Broner. Features news on the heavyweight division and a lot of things that are going on uh, in New York City. But upcoming next is the legend, the legendary trainer, uh, Mr. Joe Goosen. Our next interview on Inside Boxing Live is brought to you by Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar. Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar located just a few steps away from Madison Square Garden and Times Square. Go into Jack Doyle's for all your entertainment needs. From happy hours to birthday parties to private events, Jack Doyle's has you covered. Once again, that's Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar located on 240 West 35th Street. Joining us now on the program is a legendary trainer, one of the best dressed trainers in all of boxing, and you can catch him on the PBC on Fox. He is their their color analyst on all of their fights. He is the legendary Mr. Joe Goosen, and he joins us right now on Inside Boxing Live. How's it going out there in California, Joe? 
Oh, it's why I, you don't even want to know where I'm sitting right now. Oh. Outside in the backyard in the sun, getting ready. I'm just doing a little studying, and then I'm heading off to the gym. Yeah, it's so, about yeah, it's that. It's that a, nice out here. It's about like thirty it. degrees here. Uh, you were just ah, in Brooklyn. Really? You were just in Brooklyn. How yeah. do you like coming to New York? I love New York. I love New York. It, it, uh, unfortunately, you know, when you do these broadcasts, they're you know usually uh, you're usually running around doing rehearsals or meetings or some sort. It, so you don't really get to see the town as much as I would like to. Although I did get out to. Um, a, a wonderful Italian dinner uh, Friday night, which I'm still raving about to people. Where was that? That was at, I, I want to say, 86 and 3rd, uh, a place called uh, Il Mulino, oh. and it was just fabulous. I, I usually frequent Angelino, uh, Angelo's, okay. sorry, but that that's uh, under construction right now. They're doing remodeling, so... Uh, I, I'm almost glad I was forced over to the to try a new restaurant. It was fantastic. Well, next time you're in Brooklyn, because I live in Brooklyn, I'll take you to Lilia's in in Williamsburg, and hopefully they'll become a sponsor now of the show because it's quite expensive. But I'll take you to Lilia's. We'll sit down. We'll break bread like gentlemen. Oh, I would love that. I would love that. Look, I mean, when you say quite expensive, is there anything that isn't? Uh, <laughs> no, especially know, in New York. But let's talk about the fights yeah. on, on Saturday night yeah. in Brooklyn. Keith Thurman, Josecito Lopez, a lot closer fight than many people uh, thought, but not Keith Thurman, who you said predicted in the fighter meetings that this one was going to be tough. How would you assess Keith's performance on Saturday night? Yeah, no, just to reiterate, Keith Thurman did, he was pretty prescient about it. He did predict that people were going to be saying uh, some negative things about him after the fight. I think he's a realist, and I think he also knew that coming off of a pretty tough surgery on his elbow, and, you know, that's a very critical part of the arm. You know, it's it can be quite sensitive, and he, he may, be, may even be a little cautious about it. That being said, in two years of ring rust, I, I think he's a smart guy, and he, he knew there was going to be a little ring rust. And um, I, I don't know if it showed a lot, but towards the second half of the fight, um, he, he certainly, and after that tough uh, round with Josecito, um, it certainly took something out of him. Uh, his punches in the second half of the fight weren't as uh, devastating as they were in the early part of the fight. But um, I, I, look, I mean, Josecito had a great training camp. He trained with you know, Robert Garcia, it's his third fight with him, maybe fourth. But um, he lived in Mikey Garcia's house for um, over a month. He had the greatest sparring that you could get out here in California. Trust me, Robert's got a great stable of fighters. He put a, he sent a couple guys to the hospital, uh, Jose Cito did. He was um, uh, sparring with bigger guys uh, purposely. And um, so Thurman, you know, look, I mean, if you knew the background of what uh, – Lopez had been doing, uh, then you knew Thurman was in for a little bit of a tough fight, and that certainly is the way it turned out. Yeah, it was a great fight. I mean, that seventh uh, round. Uh, Go ahead. Uh, not to interrupt, but as far as Thurman's performance mm -hmm. uh, is concerned, look, he, he there's a reason why he's undefeated, um, and he he just he is really athletic in that ring. He's got great eyes, great vision. He's got great sense of. Um, defense where he slips and he slides now did he move a little bit more than normal yeah but look that's to be expected you know coming off a layoff like this and let me tell you something i've had jose cito in my gym sparring with my guys before and he hits much harder than you or a lot of people might 
think. Mm -hmm. He's a very strong puncher, especially with that left hook. And I know he's landed the right hand quite often, too. But, man, that left hook hurt um, Keith um, uh, in that big round. It was one of the punches that started off the rally for him. So, but Thurman is a, he's really a fantastic athlete. He's got great vision in the ring, great instincts. You know, he steps back nice when you throw a punch, and he comes back and he counters you. He'll slip off to one side or the other and come up the middle on you. He just, you know, look, I've seen great fighters in my day, and he's one of them for sure. Now, going to that seventh round that we are just talking about, the big one for Jose Cito Lopez, and you talk about the, the athleticism of Keith Thurman. Do you think he depended a little too much on his athleticism and he didn't clinch in that seventh round where you even said on, on the Fox telecast that you know, this fight is very close to being stopped? Were you surprised that Thurman uh, didn't clinch or did maybe that was the first time he'd ever been in trouble in his uh, professional career at least? Let me just tell you something. You've got two options, or you've got a few options at least. Let's say that. If he had clinched, that means he's closer to mm-hmm. Jose Cito. And Jose Cito is really good and close. That's where he wants you, okay? So that may have been worse for Thurman than getting on his horse and moving, okay? So, you know, you you, you have options with your fighters. Uh, for instance, when Corrales got hurt uh, by Castillo, uh, I could have said, you know, hold, hold, hold. He did, I guess that's, that's not the instructions I gave him. I could have said, move, run, you know, box, stay away from him. I didn't give him that instruction. I told him to go after Castillo, wow. after he was down twice in one round. Wow. So you, you see your options are are dependent on what you're looking at at that very moment as a, as a, as a trainer. So I picked the option of, you know what, I know what we did in the gym, okay, and I know where we stand physically. So I was able to confidently send him back into the trenches and to turn the uh, turn the tide on Castile. Now, with the other night, um, Thurman is a real thinking man. He's a very intelligent man. Mm-hmm. I don't think he needed anybody to tell him what to do. I think he did the right thing. Again, if you go in and get close to Josecito and you try to grab him, Josecito would have thrown him off quickly, and he would have been close to him to hit. So Thurman... I think did the right thing by getting on his horse because that's one of the things you can tell your fighter, <clears throat> excuse me, tell your fighter to do. Now, and that's okay. what he did. Mm-hmm. Now, um, so I think I think he saved himself by by moving away. Interesting. See, that's Perfect. the thing. That's the thing with, with that. Why I like your broadcasting style so much is because you're you're an active trainer. You've trained some of the best uh, in, in the past. That is just interesting insight because so many people are saying that him moving around so much expended a lot of energy. But the fact that you bring up that Josecito is an in close fighter, that's that's really good stuff. What about Thurman moving forward? Would you advise him to take on Manny Pacquiao or, or some of the big dogs at 147 uh, based on that performance, or would you say maybe he needs another tune up fight? Well, look, all of these guys are dangerous. All of them. All the guys at the top are dangerous, especially at that one, you know, 147 right, right now. Um, I would say for Thurman, look, he, even though he's only had 29 fights, he's just been out for two years. It's one thing to be out for two years when you're 21, 22, 23 years old. It's another thing to be out uh, at this stage of your career for two years. It, you don't get back into the swing of things that easily. I would say that Thurman would be smart to try to go after Pacquiao. Why? Because Pacquiao's older. Now, if you look at Pacquiao's fight with Broner, 
you know, he showed, you know, why he's been such a great champion. But he also showed that he's not the devastating power puncher at 47 as he was at lighter weights. So right there, you're negating uh, a, a danger. Not that he can't still hit because he hurt Broner with when Broner was laying up on the ropes. But that's not something Thurman does, to just lay on the ropes to be hit. You know, and so um I, I think because of Thurman's great legs, he has a really good uh, if not better than most uh, uh, opportunity to beat somebody like Pacquiao. Plus he hits real hard. Um I think with another camp he'll shake out that rust. If he gets some really good left-handed scoring and gets that system down, um, I think Pacquiao, and look, let's face it, it's the biggest payday out there for anybody who fights Pacquiao. And look, Thurman deserves it. He's a veteran. He's He's been the unified champ. He's uh, proven himself. He's still undefeated. He's taken on everybody. He's beaten everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think he should have to take on the young up-and-comers right now. It's not the same type of money. And I think, you know, he's probably going to be closing the show, Thurman, in the next, you know, couple of years. Yeah, um, I do I get that think, sense. You know, <clears throat> yeah. So if you're going to come to the end of the line and, you know, you start getting these type of injuries where they demand surgeries and layoffs, you got to go, man, I, am I really ready to start taking on, you know, Errol Spences and guys like that? No. I mean, could, could he and would he be competitive or could he win? Yes, all of the above. But then you got to capitalize on it, and and I think Manny Pacquiao was a great shot. Manny Pacquiao's forty years old, you know. Thurman's yeah. what thirty? Yeah, he's thirty. Know? Yeah. So, so I mean, you know, uh, that's that's a huge advantage. He's still got great legs. Pacquiao's shown that his his legs still work. But you know, given a guy like Thurman as opposed to a guy like Broner, who I like a lot, but Broner just in the past two three years is not active in the ring. He's just not active. He. he he just shuts down. So there's something going on there. So that I don't think it was a really good example of what Pacquiao's got left right. by fighting a guy who, who didn't do anything. Interesting. You know? How about the performance from Adam Konaki, the, the, the big pole? Oh, uh, um, uh, Kovnatsky? Yeah. Uh, oh, man, I, I love the guy. You know, here's the thing, you know, about Kovnatsky. He's willing. He's a willing participant. Yes, you know, he, he, he threw 120-something punches. You know, look, I, I've trained lightweights, junior lightweights, featherweights. They don't, you know, it's rare they throw over 100 punches around. <laughs> I know. So he, he's, really, well, he's you, ready and able. And the key is he's able. He's, he's, he's very accurate. And um, I've seen him take heavy shots. You know, I studied, you know, for the fight, and I looked at, you know, his fights and yeah, he takes a great shot. So he's got two things going for him. He's really, well, he's got more than that, but I'll name a few. <laughs> oh, he's going to be a dad too. So he's got three things going for him. He takes a great shot. Yeah. He's very willing. He puts a lot of pressure on you and he's an accurate puncher. Yes, he is. And hits hard. Yeah. What about that him with, with Wilder? That was, five, that was a five. I won't hold it against you. What about Wilder? You know, there's there's talk of of him and Wilder mixing it up down the road. Maybe not this year. Maybe uh, in in 2020. Do you give him any shot against a a fighter like Deontay Wilder? Yeah. Well, of course. You know, of course, I give him a shot. I mean, somebody would ask, do you give uh, you know Fury a shot right. against Wilder? A lot of people are bloody. Kid, no way. You know. 
it, it turned out the opposite. So you, you can never say, no, he doesn't have a shot. Of mm-hmm. course he's got a shot. Well, what would he have to do? Like, how would you see that playing out? <clears throat> so, yeah, you mean if I were to lay out a strategy for him? Well, how would you think that that, that – yeah, what would he have to do to to be victorious against a, a huge puncher like Wilder who has flaws himself? Well, no, he, he's got to do what he does best. I mean, look, it's always best to avoid Wilder's big punches, especially his right hand. So that would be something that you would want to work on. But, you know, uh, then again, he does take a better-than-average punch, um, uh, Kovnatsky. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, if he did get hit, I would probably give him the, the benefit of the doubt, saying he could probably, if he's not just getting hit clean with his chin, you know, exposed completely. <laughs> right. But if they're bouncing off his head or, you know, you know, they're semi-land, I'd say, no, the guy will stay in the fight, you know. Um, but look, uh, I would just say this, you know, Gerald Washington lasted five rounds with yeah. Wilder and he yeah. only lasted two, two rounds with uh, Kovnatsky. And, and, and look, Washington, you saw how great he looked going in that ring. He yeah. really looked fit. And yeah. he, was, he was a new trainer, uh, Shadid Saluki who I know personally, who's really, uh, he's a task master. Uh, he's very, um, he's a thinking man's trainer and you know, he goes there to win. So I know uh, Washington had great, he had a great corner. He had a great camp and he was just thoroughly devastated. So, you know, if you, if you compare one common opponent, uh, between Wilder and, uh, Kovnatsky, mm-hmm. well, Kovnatsky took him out quicker. Yeah, it was so, a you know, performance, I, man. Anything, anything can happen. And, you know, i got to tell you something. I, even when Fury got knocked down in that 12th round, he got up. And if you look at the tape, yeah, if you look at the tape, he got up. Well, it's surprising that he got up and woke up in any, you know, just in the first place. But he got up, and he went on the attack against Wilder yes. and hit him with a left hook and wobbled him. Yes, he, he did. Yes. A, okay, so that was... You know, Fury, who cannot punch, he's not a big puncher at all. Right. And he wobbled Wilder in the 12th round after getting off the mat where it looked like he was, you know, laid out uh, to rest. <laughs> so, uh, you know, anything can happen. You're right. Anything can happen. Now, Joe. And, and, and let's face it. Go ahead. Ortiz, 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 if Wilder didn't have get saved by the bell in that, Ortiz had him out. That's true. You're right. You know? Yeah, so Wilder so, has flaws. He, he, Every fighter has flaws, and every fighter can be hurt. Right now, Joe. Especially at the head. Go ahead, Joe. I know you're not a big Twitter guy, but if you were on Twitter, you would see that you were getting high praise for your broadcasting style and how you call a fight, how you see a fight, your work on on, on Fox. Are you enjoying being back uh, in the broadcast booth? Because I know you did some work uh, a couple of years back. Are you enjoying it now at Fox? Oh, I. I... I really, I really am. Uh, I, I absolutely am. Um, I, um, I'm having a blast doing it, and uh, the the Fox team is incredible. I have to tell you, they're really yeah, they good. Are. I worked for I worked for HBO in the early '90s and '91 mm-hmm. uh, for the for a pay per view brand TVKO, and then I worked Prime Network, which Fox eventually bought in the '90s. In the mid '90s, I worked with Rich Murata yep. as, as a little guy for you know four years or so. Uh, doing broadcasting, and then I I did a quick stint uh, in about 2010, I want to say, with Fox, 
uh, cable, uh, I did the World Series of Boxing uh, broadcasts with uh, Alan Massengale. So I've done three stints, mm-hmm. and um, I, I think I'm enjoying this one the most, to tell you the truth, because I, you know what, I, I'm pretty confident in my knowledge where maybe, you know, 20, uh, 30 years ago when I did my first broadcast, I, you know, I had never done it before, but it, it was pretty intimidating, especially with, uh, on a platform like, you know, HBO. Of course. So I, I, right now, Right now, at my age, um, I'm, I've seen it all pretty much, and I, I, I pretty much know what I'm looking at. So I, I feel I feel relaxed and I feel confident, and I'm just glad. I, I you know I don't do any social media. Um, no, I just I don't have time for that. You know, I see my kids. And they're on it, and it's like I go, God, how do they get anything done? They're on these phones. <laughs> it's hard. All day, it is addicting. Know? Yeah, and, and, you know, I'm in the gym still, so I, the good thing is my eyes are sharp uh, because I'm I'm in the gym instructing and, uh, you know, uh, devising uh, strategies for upcoming fights, and so it's, it's I'm not out of the loop, and, and so when I do a broadcast, it's like, man, I just came out of the gym for, you know, you know three, three weeks, you know, watching all this stuff, so right. my, my eyes are pretty good in tune with what's going on in the ring. And I, I think I can see the minutia pretty well, but I appreciate the fact that people are, you know, enjoying it. I, you know, I don't know. I'll tell you the truth. I'd be scared to read any comments. <laughs> it's <laughs> tough. I mean, but I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll be your eyes and ears. You're getting very good feedback. Yeah. People are, are loving the no, non, no nonsense style. And the fact that you just said you're a trainer, you're an active trainer. There are so many broadcasters yeah. that are in the game right now that are, they're, they're don't train anymore. So you're in the trenches you, you, you know, I know you're working yeah. with Sergey Lipinets coming up for his fight with Lamar Peterson, and it comes off on on camera. And uh, I know I'm I'm enjoying it. Oh, great! Well, listen, Dan. I, I look. I I I really appreciate that. And I, like I said, I I I guess what's important right now is that Fox enjoys what I'm doing. Yes. They're employing me. Yes, they are. So uh, if they're happy, I, I, I guess I'll, I'll I'll still be working. Um, but um, I, I appreciate the fans, and I appreciate you giving me that feedback. I mean, it it gives me a little bit more confidence uh, that I'm doing the right thing. So. All right. Uh, Joe, I appreciate you, you stopping by, and next time you're in Brooklyn, we're going to go out to dinner, we're going to break bread, and we're going to talk a lot of boxing, so I can literally talk boxing with you all day. Go to the gym, enjoy your training, and I'll talk to you soon. Dan, I appreciate that. I'm looking forward to it, okay? Take care. What does Canelo Alvarez, Manny Pacquiao, and Tyson Fury all have in common? They are all items on this week's In Case You Missed It. Let's get you caught up to speed in the world of boxing. Canelo Alvarez, Danny Jacobs, as we know, is set uh, for May 4th. going to be a huge event on the zone for $10. You're going to be able to watch an outstanding uh, middleweight fight. First of all, props to Canelo Alvarez for, for taking this fight. He could have fought me or you and made $30 million, but instead he's taking on Danny Jacobs, who is an IBF world champion. It's a unification bout. As for Canelo, he, he is building up quite a resume uh, before he reaches the age of 28, or I think he just turned a 28. But take a look at his resume now. You know, he's fought Lara. He's fought Trout. He's fought Mayweather, he's fought Cotto, he's fought Golovkin twice, and many others, all before uh, the age, under 30 uh, years old, uh, for Canelo Alvarez. So props to him for taking on this fight. As for Jacobs, I mean, he's very deserving uh, of this fight. You know, he, he, he fought uh, Triple G very tough two years ago. That fight really put him on the map. And since that fight against, against Triple G, he's been banging the drum uh, for Canelo. We didn't know whether or not he was going to sign with, the pay, with PBC. 
but our own current Badia was able to catch up with uh, Keith Connolly, who represents Danny Jacobs. This is Karen Batia. We're at Barclays Center with Keith Connolly. Keith, you have a lot of interesting fighters now, a lot of New York area fighters. Just tell me about the guys that you're representing and working with. Uh, it's exciting. You know, we got Adam Konaki tonight, uh, Cordell Booker, obviously Danny Jacobs. A lot of developments happened in the last week or so. He'll be fighting Canelo May 4th. Uh, Marcus Brown just fought last week, won a title. A lot of people thought he was going to lose to Baidu Jack. They thought Baidu Jack was going to take him into deep waters, but it was actually the opposite. So it's been a good time in New York boxing, a good time for my guys, and I'm happy for him. So Chris Algieri fought last week. He looked great in the beginning of the fight and then kind of faded a little bit. What do you think about his future prospects? Is he going to fight Maurice Hooker? What's, what's next for him? They're great, actually. I mean, the truth is Chris Algieri had the flu going into the fight. He felt sick. He didn't know he had the flu, but he did feel worn out that day. He told me in the hotel room before the fight, but he said he was fine to fight. Uh, for the for the rest of the weekend he was you know chills temperature got diagnosed with the flu and I actually got diagnosed with the flu on Monday and should I, I take a step back from you right now fine now I I took all the medication I'm totally fine now but uh, that's why he faded at the end he dominated in the beginning but listen if you're gonna fight with the flu you're gonna run out of steam so, Big Baby Miller, we've heard some rumors swirling around. Can you give us an update of what's going on? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm friendly with Big Baby Miller, but I'm not actively involved with him. But I'm hearing the same rumors you are, that uh, he could be fighting Anthony Joshua in the Garden, and I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. And Danny Jacobs, like you mentioned, big fight. How did that fight come together, and, and, and what do you think is going to happen in that fight? Uh, well, it was the fight that I think the fans wanted. I mean, I know they want the Triple G trilogy, but I think they're a little bit fatigued on that fight. A lot of people think that even if Triple G wins, that they'll still give the decision to Canelo. So I think a lot of people are interested in Danny Jacobs fighting him. Uh, I think Danny's got the length, the speed, the ring generalship to not only compete with Canelo, I think he's definitely going to be able to beat him. I think eight rounds to four. Um, then it's up to the judges. You know, we can't, we can't control that. So I think if the judges are fair, Danny legitimately wins the fight. If they're not, all we can do is put up the best fight that we can, but I truly believe you'll see the best Danny Jacobs May 4th. And just to kind of wrap it up, Danny Jacobs, everything he's been through in life, and now to be fighting the top guy in boxing, I mean, what do you what do you make of that? Coming back from cancer, what do you make of that? Well, he deserves it. I mean, is there anybody in the sport that deserves the Canelo fight more than Danny Jacobs? Not only did he have cancer, but what people never talk about was he was actually paralyzed from the waist down for weeks before he had the operation. So I can't name one pro athlete that's ever been paralyzed and come back and competed, even competed in their sport, let alone at the top of the sport. So he's a great fighter. He's a great person. I think he's the best ambassador that boxing has. So uh, I think it's fitting that he got the fight May 4th. And I think most of the boxing world would like to see him win on May 4th. It makes you think now also, what's next for Triple G? You know, uh, is he going to move over uh, to ESPN and top rank or is he going to go uh, with uh, PBC or he's going to come to his senses and maybe sign with the zone and matchroom and we can get the big fights that, uh, that we all want. Moving forward here, New York City, baby, heating up. You know, I'm a resident of Brooklyn, New York. I have the Barclays Center right in my backyard. I'm able to go to some huge fights, whether it's at the Barclays Center or Madison Square Garden. But coming this spring slash summer, we have some huge fights coming to New York City, and it's we're seeing something in the world of boxing as they are shifting away from big fights in, in, in casinos in, in Vegas more into arenas 
where the real fans can come in. Yes, the tickets are going to be expensive, but what I'm talking about is that uh, just uh, uh, earlier this week, Tyson Fury-Deontay Wilder rematch looks like it's going to be at the Barclays Center, folks. That's going to be massive, massive event. It's going to be on either April 27th or May 18th. So that is going to be a big one. An offer was just made out from Eddie Hearn to Jarrell Miller uh, for Anthony Joshua to fight Jarrell Miller at Madison Square Garden. That one's being scheduled for June 1st at Madison Square Garden. Also, I haven't even mentioned Amir Khan fighting Terrence Crawford. That looks like it's going to be on 420 uh, at MSG. So, so Bob Arum will be promoting a fighter named Bud on 420. So all your 420 jokes are, are right there. Danny Garcia, Adrian Granados also set for Barclays Center on 420. So that just shows that this upcoming April, May, June is going to be loaded, especially uh, in New York City. And our final item, it's the pay-per-view wars. I know you boxing fans love to count the pay-per-view numbers, so fire up Rick Glazer. Pacquiao Broner reportedly does four over 400,000 buys. That's two very successful back-to-back pay-per-views for Showtime between Fury Wilder and uh, this one. This tells me two things. Number one, pay-per-view isn't going anywhere. Number two, Manny Pacquiao is a huge draw. This also shows me that the pay-per-view model is not going anywhere. Sorry, Oscar De La Hoya. We're going to see maybe five, six pay-per-views this year. For last year, we only saw one to two. This has been In Case You Missed It. Our next interview on Inside Boxing Live is brought to you by Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar. Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar located just a few steps away from Madison Square Garden and Times Square. Go into Jack Doyle's for all your entertainment needs. From happy hours to birthday parties to private events, Jack Doyle's has you covered. Once again, that's Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar located on 240 West 35th Street. Here with Ryan Sangalia from uh, Ring TV. First off, your impressions on Keith one time Thurman. He picks up the majority decision on the one judge saw there with that draw, but what did you see from Keith Thurman? I, I thought the 115 111 card was pretty fair. I don't know what the 117 109 was about. That's uh, that's the craziest card of them all. But um, I think that uh, Keith Thurman, he, said, he even admitted that he didn't expect to be at his best after 22 months out of the ring, but I don't think he expected that kind of a fight, um, especially after the second round knockdown. It was a nice step back left hook. Uh, off of the uh, the left hand that was hurt last year, so um, I don't know uh, how he felt going forward with his hand after that. But um, you know, I think the rest of the division, guys like Errol Spence, even older guys like Manny Pacquiao, have to be looking at that and saying, you know what, that's not the uh, most. Uh, uh, fear-inspiring performance I've ever seen out of a guy like that. So I think that um, Thurman's problem will be that people aren't afraid of him the way that they may have been uh, two years ago or three years ago. But also it's like, okay, now we can get those fights probably because um, I don't think there's anyone who's going to say, you know what, I'm not ready for Keith Thurman right now. Well, going back to, to the, the second round, he had that knockdown. But from the second or third round on, it seemed as if Thurman wasn't hurting Lopez as he was early on. Maybe it's because of the right hand. Maybe it didn't heal all the way. Maybe he has an injury. We'll have to see in the post-fight uh, presser. But why do you think Thurman wasn't able to to, to put him away? Uh, I know he's very tough, Lopez. Well, I mean, Lopez is a tough guy. You know, and I was actually expecting a f- you know five or six rounds, maybe something along the lines of what Andre Berto was able to do or or Canelo. Um, but I, I was surprised. You know, uh, Lopez takes a great shot, and I would say that Lopez was taking Thurman's shot 
shots better than Thurman was taking Lopez's yeah. shots. Because in the seventh round, when when uh, when Thurman was hurt, um, he actually start. You know, he became a very mobile fighter after that. He was he was firing still. You know, after he recovered, but you know, and once Lopez had, had slowed down a bit, but um, you know, he was not able to uh, back Thurman, um, Lopez off at all. Thurman was um, landing shots, but this guy kept didn't give him a second to breathe. And I think that um, there's a lot of things that Thurman will be able to look at now and say, okay, this is what I need to improve on. Um, but these are a lot of problems that Thurman had in the past, even. Like, he had issues down the stretch against Dan Garcia. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know if it's just tonight. I, I think that um, these are some of the issues that are still carrying over from past fights. And, and now you throw some ring rust into it. And, and, and Jose Cito Lopez, who doesn't know the meaning of quit. And I think that's why we saw such a tough fight tonight. Yeah, I think that Lopez will get some fights now. I think we'll get more, more paydays down the line. What do you think is immediately next for Keith Thurman? Obviously, Manny Pacquiao is out there. There's, you can fight Errol Spence. Uh, he can fight you know, Danny Garcia with a rematch or Sean Porter. Where do you think Thurman goes from here, opponent-wise? I, I think that uh, based off of what I saw tonight, I think um, Sean Porter probably wouldn't be the fight right now because um, Sean Porter doesn't stop coming just the same way that Thurman does. And also, I think Sean Porter is better at setting up his offense than Thurman. Uh, I'm sorry, than Lopez is because Lopez was uh, not throwing any jabs. Tonight. I think he only landed something like 17 jabs. That's correct. Yeah, I counted them. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, I'm talking to the master right here. Um, but uh, then, uh, you know, I, I think Errol Spence. I, I think that's not something to talk about right now. Uh, I actually put the tweet out to um, you know Pacquiao saying that Thurman said he'll fight Pacquiao anyway, even the Philippines. And uh, Sean Gibbons, who is the matchmaker for MP Promotions. Viva la Sean. Yes, you know, exactly. Let's go champ. He actually responded and said, uh, yeah, let's make that happen. You know, so I think that, uh, you know, the regular champ, uh, Pacquiao, you know, and then you have the, the actual champ, Keith Thurman. I think that that's a fight that can be made. And uh, and uh, that's, uh, that's a money fight, for one. That's a, that's a pay-per-view fight. And also, so I think that Pacquiao, 40 years old, is looking at that and saying, you know what, that's not a step too far. Yes, because you got to think Manny Pacquiao obviously wants Floyd Mayweather. Let's, let's just put out that right now. That's not, you know, I'm not saying anything crazy right there that he wants Floyd Mayweather, but says he doesn't get that fight, the logical second choice would be a fight with Thurman. Who else in the PBC roster could Manny Pacquiao go up against? Maybe Errol Spence, should he beat Mikey Garcia? There's a lot of moving parts in the welterweight division, especially in the PBC umbrella. Well, I, I think you got to see what happens with the Spence Garcia fight. Spence, you know, has a great performance and and suddenly becomes like a big star. Like he's able to really pack a lot of people in and over there in Dallas. I think that that's something you can look at. I think that the risk reward is much more in favor of Pacquiao if he fights someone like Thurman than if he fights Spence because Spence is uh, that's that's a, that's a bad boy. <laughs> 47. I think he's going to be the guy that uh, people try to ice out of the division. Like uh, no one's really. Yeah, he's the boogeyman. Yeah, I, I, I think Mikey Garcia is uh, is a really brave guy, and maybe he knows something about boxing that no one else does uh, because he really thinks he's going to win that fight. Um, but um, I think that uh, Sean Porter, I don't know if that's uh, the most attractive fight for Pacquiao just because that was a, um, a guy that he had sparred with in the past, and you know, back when Pacquiao was you know the Pac-Man, Pac-Man of 2009. Um, I think that that's not the most attractive fight either right now for him. But um, I think that Keith Thurman, I think that that's a fight right now that um, that Pacquiao's team needs to get on the phone and try to make that fight ASAP before Thurman has the opportunity to get back and, and really raise his confidence uh, with a, another win out here. Let's do some rapid fire. Big lot of fights coming up. Predictions with you right here. We'll start with Abner Maris. 
and Javante Davis. Ah, uh, Javante Davis, man. I, I mean, Abner Morris is chasing that fight, so maybe like he sees something there, but I don't think even whatever he thinks he sees is going to be enough to get him over Javante Davis. That's, that's a bad man at 130. Okay, Mikey Garcia or Earl Spence? Uh, I, I, I can't pick against Earl Spence. Uh, you know, I, I, I spoke with Mikey Garcia out in L.A. about this fight, and, and he's convinced that he's got, that he sees something that, uh, that no one else sees, but um, until I see that, too, uh, I'm going Errol Spence. Okay, let's move up to uh, in April. We got a big fight, pay-per-view on ESPN. Amir Khan and Terrence Crawford, a fight that I got circled on my calendar. Who do you got? I think there's only one guy at 147 that would ever beat um, Errol Spence. I'm sorry, Terrence Crawford right now, and that's Errol Spence. And uh, last time I checked, Amir Khan's name is in Errol Spence. <laughs> what do you think, like, Terrence Crawford's looking at this performance from, from Keith Thurman? You think Twitter, because they like to talk on Twitter, it's probably buzzing right now. We check our phones between all the welterweights right now. Well, I think that um, I think I, I think honestly, Terence Crawford would want to get in with all these guys. I think he has business that he could do with all these guys. I I, I don't think there's a fighter below 147 pounds and under that that Terence Crawford doesn't belong in the ring with. Terence Crawford is a great fighter. I I fear that we may not be able to see how great he is because a lot of those guys are quote unquote on the other side of the road. But um, I think that he would be uh, even money with a guy like Errol Spence. I think that he would beat Keith Thurman if I had to pick uh, there, and uh, I think that he would be in there with any of those guys, and, and I think it would be a real injustice if he, if he doesn't get to get those fights. Let's jump up to 160, a fight that was that was solidified last week. That's Canelo Alvarez, Danny Jacobs. Danny was in attendance tonight. I know he's confident. I know he's ready. He's very deserving of the fight. What's your pick for Canelo, Danny Jacobs? I mean, uh, you know, Canelo Alvarez looked devastating last time against the guy who didn't deserve to be in the ring with him. But um, Danny Jacobs, uh, I think if Jacobs is able to uh, get his movement going, make uh, uh, Canelo Alvarez uh, come forward and, and initiate, I, I think that Canelo Alvarez is a better counterpuncher. He likes when the guy's coming at him. Um, I think that Jacobs can pick him off a bit. But, uh, I mean, it's hard to pick against Canelo Alvarez. You know, he, the guy went, you know, 24 rounds with... Uh, uh, Gennady Golovkin, and, and some people thought he won both fights. Uh, uh, I think he won, especially, I think he won the second fight. Um, and, but to, the way that he fought Gennady Golovkin, I, don't, I, don't, I think it's hard to favor anyone other than Golovkin over uh, you know, Canelo Alvarez. Speaking of Golovkin, he is the biggest free agent in boxing right now. I thought maybe after the new year he, he would sign. I don't know there's some rumblings that he's having issues with, with Tom Loeffler. I don't know who exactly has control of Golovkin career right now might be him and his wife I've seen those reports out there who knows what's true but where does Golovkin go I mean ESPN is in the mix Showtime and PBC and Fox is in the mix and of course which makes the most sense I think I think we can agree on that is that him going to the zone sets up so many fights because they have so many fighters at 160 where do you think Golovkin and have you heard anything about him finally signing I have not heard anything, but I would say this. I think that uh, what he needs to do in his career, the only thing that's left to do is to get that fight back against Canelo Alvarez. Um, you know, they have a lot of fights uh, lined up you know, on the zone, uh, and the only way I think he's going to get those fights is if he goes over there. So I'm not offering him any uh, unsolicited advice with his career, but I think if he, the only fight that makes sense for me uh, would be another fight with uh, Canelo Alvarez to settle that. Um, but, I mean, you know, there's, you know, Charles, Charlo didn't exactly look like a monster in his last fight. He had a, he had a late replacement, and that was a style that maybe he wasn't ready for, but um, he definitely looked like he was vulnerable. Uh, but, I mean... I mean, Golovkin's done so much in his career. You know, it's, it's almost like Marvin Hagler after the Ray Leonard fight. It's like, where did you go from there? If not Ray Leonard, what's the point? So, 
that's kind of where, where I, I'm looking at. I look at fighting careers like as if they're like movies. And imagine if like, all right, well, we, the, the, the big finale happened, whatever was the, the final scene. And then, well, uh, I guess we're going to go to the store now. And, you know, <laughs> you know yeah. that's, that's yeah. where continuing a career after something that should Plus be. when you had so many big fights. Like exactly. It's, it's, it's a really interesting time for, for Golovkin. Really interesting time in the world of boxing. Ryan Sangalia has it all covered for Ring Magazine, one of the best followers on Twitter. Let's go find 50 Cent. He seemed like he was having a good time.